Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unsackable Podcast. No Manuel Veth to open it this time. I mean, I always say his last name wrong, I feel like. I always read it as Manuel Veth, and then he says it, and it sounds more like Manuel Veth. I don't know what's going on, but he's not here. He is on vacation, so have some fun with your family, Manuel. But we do have Filippo Silva with us. We do have him. And Filippo, I found it interesting that Manuel dropped a tweet that was very much from the tactical manager of Filippo Silva playbook, wasn't it? Which one of them? He's done quite a few lately. We're talking about the flags one that he used for the Champions League semifinals, where he put a UAE flag next to Man City and an American flag next to Liverpool. What did you think of that? I was very proud. I, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I was very proud. I even made some effort to learn how to properly pronounce his last name. I still haven't gotten it right. But when I saw that tweet, it was as accurate as it gets. There's no English club in the fi- the semifinals of the Champions League. We have an American club named Liverpool. And, you know, Manchester City from the oil money, Manchester City. But I was very proud of Manuel for that. And hopefully he's listening to this right now. I'm sure he is. And I'm sure that he is uh, happy to hear that you approve as the guy that we look to to stir up a little bit of trouble on Twitter. But a guy who has a very much, I wouldn't say just a happy-go-lucky time on Twitter. But Josh, you get into it a little bit on Twitter now and then, don't you? Yeah, it, it depends on on the type of conversation, but I did I did catch that right away. It's the first thing that popped up when I opened Twitter right after the tweet, and uh, I laughed. I was like, "Wow, did Filippo take over Manuel Vitz?" And now I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I'm, you guys made me feel like I'm going crazy. I'm notoriously poor for pronunciation, and now I'm looking at Manuel's last name as Veth, and you're telling me that it's it's Vit, and now I'm just confused and and a little sad to be honest. I honestly have no idea. Every time he says it, I just kind of think it just sounds like a V E E, maybe a D, maybe a T H. But it sounds like faith. Yeah, I like mean, faith. if only he was here to clear it all up for us. We'll have to do an entire episode just based on you know pronunciation of his name among others. Because if ever you want to find out if you know how to pronounce something, just become a YouTuber, and uh, the crowd will tell you every single thing that you pronounce incorrectly. But let's move on from that. We're not going to talk about that. Doesn't mean you'll learn, Adrian. It doesn't mean you learn. <laughs> That's true. Doesn't mean you'll make any changes, but let's move on from pronunciation talk. That is not what this podcast is all about. Today, we are talking about the Champions League first off. And I think that the first place that we'll start, Josh, is Bayern are out. Unai Emery has done it again. I mean, we were all sitting here. Did we, did we all, did any of us actually go with Unai Emery? I believe Manuel might have actually, when we were talking about whether Bayern would make it through. 
Actually, I think he he did. I think we all were going to go Bayern, and then he pulled. He did what I did last time. Remember when I picked Villarreal over Juve because you guys already all picked Juventus? He did yes. the exact same. Yeah, he did the exact same thing. He's like, you know what? I got to make this difference. So kudos to Manuel Vite out there, just nailing it. But uh, it was it was quite the performance, to be honest. I mean, I, I make this correlation all the time because I just I, I see it. I feel like I've seen this script before. A big powerhouse like Bayern getting taken down by a very specific style. And I always link this to Atletico and how Simeone played. And Unai Emery put it out. You could see throughout the course of that match, those two bricks of four. They played the 4-4-2. They waited for their opportunities. They soaked up a ton of pressure. And then they hit on the counter. And it took one counter very late in the game, scored at the perfect timing to make it 2-1 and to eliminate Bayern. It was an incredible performance. I wasn't sure if a one nothing scoreline was enough to do it, but... Like we talked about with Atletico, and I mean, we'll get into the other match, but I mean, that's basically what Simeone did. Is he keeps the first scoreline relatively close, which is what Villarreal did this one, and then they looked to punish. Now they got the one nothing lead. We all were skeptical of whether that'd be enough. It clearly was, so a huge congratulations, and I bet you every neutral out there will be going, including myself, for Villarreal to hopefully pull up a, an incredible historical moment and win this year's Champions League. It kind of reminded me, the, the Villarreal game with Bayern, it kind of reminded that first game with Salzburg. But it's as if that round of 16 that, you know, Bayern destroyed Salzburg in the second game. It's almost like the first game happened twice, right? Bayern and Salzburg finished 1-1 the first one. Obviously, Villarreal pulled the win away. Uh, sorry, not away, at home, away for Bayern. But it kind of just seemed like that repeat. It seems like Bayern does struggle in transition quite a bit. And I know you watch Bundesliga a lot, Josh, so you probably have a better grasp of that. I'm not sure if I'm being accurate with that. One thing to say is Villarreal had two shots on target in both games. Those were the two goals they scored. They had only two shots on target, Well, I, crazy. I think a big part of it, and it was something that I didn't, I didn't really get. I didn't love how Nogsman actually lined this team up. Now, in the Bundesliga, he can get away with this because Bayern just have pressure. They 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 basically just go with the jugular and they can find goals. But when you have a, and in my opinion, Villarreal is just it's a better team than Salzburg, at least especially on the defensive side of the game. They had a game plan. They had the four four two, and if you look at how Bayern line up in this three two four one system, I mean, they had their three center backs that didn't do too much. Everyone else was basically going through the middle. The only real angle I guess they were trying to potentially exploit was that right wing back spot and I think Coleman had some good opportunities there but every cross that was whipped in the box was handled pretty easily and it didn't seem like Nogsman had a, a plan b he just said all right let's just throw everything down the gut see what happens and yes they found the one goal that came from a, a little bit of a mental lapse but after that there was just a whole bunch of nothing and then it turned into a couple counter attacks that I think Villarreal looked dangerous from here and there and they found one at, at the end it just Maybe it's a little bit of, uh, I guess, arrogance for Nogsman as he was pretty vocal about, uh, I guess, his chances of moving on and, and taking the game to Villarreal, and he just wasn't wasn't up to it. So it was, it was very interesting to see, and I just I just thought it was a, a beautiful tactical defensive performances from Unai Emery. Look, uh, just I don't want to be a party pooper here, but this Villarreal side is not going to go through Liverpool. That, that's just what we can talk about this when we get to there. I, I might be. Skipping ahead, I'll give it back to Adrian. I just don't see that happening. We will get to that. And I do have some insight on this Liverpool team and their defense lately. But I just wanted to give another shout out to Villarreal. Only their second time making it to the semifinals of the Champions League. You know, they had a couple of shots on target to score a couple of goals. 
couple of counterattacks, and now they're on to their second Champions League semifinal. And I think this raises a lot of questions about what exactly is going on at Bayern. You know, I spoke to, I actually did speak to Manuel yesterday for a video on my channel. We were talking about sort of what's going on behind the scenes, you know, with Rummenigge not there anymore, is now Oliver Kahn, who's sort of running things and the transition behind the scenes. You also have players that are choosing to leave Bayern now. So Alaba left last season. Sula is now leaving to go to Borussia Dortmund. There's talks of Robert Lewandowski wanting to try his hand elsewhere, you know, because once you've won everything with Bayern, you can't really fault these players for wanting to potentially go and see another league, take a crack at winning a championship in another league in another country. And it just raises the question of, do they have the proper replacements in line for these players like Lewandowski or Thomas Muller, who's getting older, uh, how's their backline doing? Because Luca Hernandez is constantly injured, Pavar as well. I mean, it's there's some questions to be asked of Bayern, and maybe next season will be the season where someone like a Leipzig really give them a genuine title challenge. But, Filippo, last word on Bayern and Villarreal. Yeah, no, no, not even Bayern Villarreal. It was one thing you pointed out about how you win Bayern wins Bundesliga, and they, they've won everything with Bayern essentially, right? I'm just wondering, like, real Bundesliga fans, because every year Bayern just wins it, right? It's been for, what, nine in a row, ten in a row? I don't even know what it is anymore. How do they get excited for their league at this point? Uh, it's just a serious question. I'm just trying to picture it on my end, like, Brazilian League or MLS, if, or even a Premier League that I do enjoy, too. If the same team won nine to ten times in a row, and they're still looking better than everyone for the next season... How do you even get excited for that? I mean, I think, obviously Josh could answer this better than I could, but I think if I'm just speaking from just a regular football soccer fan's point of view, I think it's the hope at the beginning of every season. Like, you know what? Maybe this is the season. This is the season that finally we're going to beat Bayern Munich. Maybe we can be that club that can end their reign or something like that. But Josh, is that basically what keeps you excited for every single Bundesliga season at this point? It, it does, and there's also been a lot of close calls. I mean, there's there's been literally opportunities, in my opinion, where Dortmund had the lead and had the league in their pocket and just decided to, to piss it away. Uh, so it almost tells you that there's a chance. But there's also seasons like this one, and I know it's a nine-point gap, but I mean, honestly, it could be worse. Bayern have not performed very well, and Dortmund have performed even worse. But when it comes to, to Bayern, it's interesting because they do have this culture around them where – basically if they don't win the champions league like this season in all eyes is a bit of a failure now i know it's a bit of a transitional time for them i'm grabbing a little little bit changes behind the scenes with the players and of course the young manager that came in in augustman but getting eliminated in the quarterfinals i still don't think is deep enough for them they, they want at least that semis i mean they want to win it but also losing to villarreal the way that they did in the quarterfinals is almost juve like and this to them was gonna be a failure they didn't win the 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 pokal as well and uh, on top of that, yes, they got the league, but I just don't think that's enough. I think they're going to look back on this season of, of what could have been, and it's going to be a very bang average season. I know that they're going to win their 10th Bundesliga, but again, that's their, their their 10th in a row. And and I just hope that some of the other Bundesliga sides can step up because the league has been there for the taking at least two or three occasions in those last 10 years, and no one just decided to step up and do it. Yeah, so Bayern are sort of entering into that PSG territory in a sense, in that the league has almost become a given for them. And then the future managers will all be sort of judged upon. Can they win the league plus something else? And just the league is frowned upon. Definitely is frowned upon. But anyways, guys, let's move on to Chelsea versus Real Madrid. And Filippo, I have a question for you. If Christian Pulisic is the LeBron James of soccer, then what is Karim Benzema? Kobe Bryant. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Michael Jordan, but but and I'm not really I mean I love basketball, but I might have just said something very stupid and maybe some basketball fans would have gotten pissed off. I'm just a massive Kobe Bryant fan. I grew up watching him and I lived in California for three years when him and Shaq played together. But I just want to say one thing too. Pulisic was poor in both games. Okay. But it's just disingenuous when people go on and say he missed two sitters. When you go back to the play, one, he was heavily challenged on the finish. It was even deflected. And the other one, he like had to stretch out his left leg to finish it. Now, could he have at least hit the target on one of those? I absolutely agree. Was he poor with on, in possession many times in the game? Yes. But are they going to also ignore Conte's mistakes? Mendy giving away a goal in the giving literally giving Real Madrid a goal in the first game. Uh, Jorginho's finish. Kai Havertz missing a wide open header. I think there's a lot of players to blame, but let's just go to the game overall. It's not a defend Pulisic podcast, so I'm gonna move on from that. <laughs> I mean, it could be, but we won't do that episode this time. So we have a couple of special episodes lined up, guys. First of all, how to pronounce Manuel Vitt's last name. Second defending Christian Pulisic. But looking at this match, man, I mean, it's just not fair to have Karim Benzema and Luka Modric in the same team at this point. And who would have thought that it would still be unfair to have them at, how old are they? They're 34 and turning 37 or something like that. And it's just time and time again, in the Champions League especially, they show up and they do exactly what they need to. And I mean, that assist to Rodrigo was just crazy from Modric, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think one, you two as Canadian fans, that has to worry you a little bit for the World Cup, right? You, you, you're looking at that and you're like, crap, this this old man still has it, right? Doesn't because, stand a chance. Doesn't stand a chance against Atiba Hutchinson, man. Oh Doesn't goodness. stand a chance. <laughs> it's like, and also, I, I think one thing that we have to do, talk about too, in regards to Luka Modric is um, when when people use the term world class, right? And it seems like nowadays it's used very loosely. Right, they just say it. Like, for example, and again, I'm not trying to bash English players in general, but when someone goes and says Mason Mount is world class, and then you look at a performance from a world class old Luka Modric, you see the difference of an elite player, which Mason Mount is an elite player, and a world class caliber player. Right, I think that was something that was very noticeable in this game, um, and the world class players at the end of the day in a very poor performance from Real Madrid, the side of the game, and got them through. That is the truth of the matter. There's a difference between elite players and world-class players, and I think that's something that is a lesson to be learned from this game. And congratulations to Real Madrid. What They were my pick to go through. I think someone else here picked too. I have Real Madrid winning the Champions League. I think they're going to win it. You think that they're going to beat Manchester City in the semifinals? I do think they're going to beat Manchester City. I think they're going to go through, and I think they're going to win the Champions League. I think we're going to have another Real Madrid-Liverpool, like a couple of years back, um, that Real Madrid won. But I, I, I do think Real Madrid's going to win the Champions League. I don't know how I feel about that personally. It's it's difficult because every time I bet against Real Madrid, somehow, you know, like a Luger, Luger, Luka Modric assist, like the one from the last match happens, or Karim Benzema scoring a hat trick in 30 minutes or something like that. It's just when they have players like that, it makes it very difficult to bet against them because they're capable of producing that kind of magic. But speaking of Manchester City, Josh, your boy, Diego Simeone, went up against Manchester City at the Wanda Metropolitano. And I mean, 
that match was that was WrestleMania Wanda Wanda Metropolitano edition, wasn't it? That was a good game to take in. That was a good game to take in. Now I, it was funny because one of the commentators before the match, and I, I can't remember exactly how it went word for word, but um, it, it was something along the lines of they were doing their predictions, and they said, "No, like City's going to go through." Because I just feel like it's going to be one of those tough games. It's not going to be easy, but someone's leaving the field with 10 men and let me tell you it's not gonna be Manchester City and that's why I just thought it was very funny the way that Felipe completely lost his head towards the end and it just turned into a little Wrestlemania there but uh up until the mayhem I thought it was a a pretty good I mean again looking at the tactical decisions that Simeone made yes you can say what you want about his 5-5-0 at the start of the, <laughs> the start of the first leg but he got a favorable result that set him up for a chance and I thought that it wouldn't have been unfair to see this game potentially go to extra time. Uh, it didn't happen. City played very different. They're not used to this type of performance, but kudos to them. I didn't know if they exactly had that in their locker. And I think that's this is something that they need. These type of matches are something that they need to go through to be able to show that they're ready to go on to win a Champions League because they obviously made it to the finals, but they just weren't able to grind out these kind of results. So this was as big of a grind as you're going to see because Atletico, like I said, they 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 ta- they had it tactically right they went for their chances they just didn't take them threw some grit in there Foden looks bandaged up it was a real real warriors clash so definitely don't want to, I wanted to see Atletico move on just just personally but I mean yeah I had to give credit where credit's due I thought City did well in, in pretty much all aspects there and now they're moving on to a semifinal I thought what was interesting was how Pep Guardiola went into this tie. I remember he did a press conference before the first leg, I believe, and he was saying things like, you know, people say I overthink things all the time. I'm going to come up with some crazy tactics. Tomorrow we're going to play with 12. Like he was being very like, it was almost as if all those comments were getting to him a little bit. And in some ways it felt like that second leg was him trying to prove that City can suffer. But I might just be not giving enough credit to Atletico Madrid. And Filippo, I know you watched this match as well. Do you find it as frustrating as I did to see Atletico play such a nice attacking football in the last 20 minutes or so? Like, where was that for the other, for the rest of the leg? Well, I think it goes down a little bit to having a good manager. And Diego Simeone knows how he has to play to beat these teams, right? These teams that are superior, technically, we know that. The investment Manchester City has compared to Atletico is quite big. So he knows how to play. And it all comes down to the coach in the middle of the game being able to smell blood. He was able to smell blood. He saw that Manchester City wasn't really being themselves. And you combine that with the fact that he needed a goal. And he went all in. And and then we saw an Atletico Madrid capable of attacking. They had good opportunities. right? We saw Mateus Cunha miss or have an opportunity block. Suarez take a bad touch. There were chances to finish. But they couldn't get the goal. I, I see people love to criticize Diego Simeone. Yes, he does have some cheap moves, dirty tactics at times. But I think he's a brilliant manager um, with what he works with. And and again, I'm not going to be that guy to say Atletico Madrid doesn't have talent because they have a lot of talent. The team has a lot of talent. But you compare the competition they face, right? Winning La Liga with Real Madrid and Barcelona, their Champions League final twice they have less resources in those teams. But yeah, I'll let Josh, what's up? No, I just, I wanted to, to kind of build on that a little bit. Now I know Atletico lost, but I'm someone who defends at Atletico in the way that Simeone sets these guys up tooth and nail, because I don't think a lot of people understand how difficult it is to know when you're outmatched, but yet to still find results. And I, and I, I always throw this Atletico side back to the, the Bayerns that they've taken down in the past and the Barcelona's like the prime Barcelona's 
and they do it in a very similar kind of style as this like this if it was up to Simeone I mean if or if it played out the way that Simeone had in his mind it was suffer through the first leg away against a much superior Manchester City side and walk away with a favorable scoreline check mark one nothing you'll take that then you go to the Wanda and you still take your take your chances you 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 be very careful. You know when to attack. If one of those opportunities goes in, then guess what? It goes to extra time and anything can happen. And when I've seen Atletico as well, when when they build up towards those those exciting 20 minutes, if they would have nipped a goal, it wouldn't have surprised me if they took the game even more to Manchester City in extra time than City would have taken it to them. And it's something similar, basically, that Villarreal did. And, and what can you expect? You can't expect City to have to go toe-to-toe against Atletico. City will win if they do that, that style, similar to Bayern and Villarreal. Villarreal saw this game plan has been mapped out for them they suffered for a lot of the match they found a way to win the first leg at home and they found a way basically to suffer again and hit when they thought the opportunity arose and they ended up taking a win so it's not easy to to line up and the tactics have to be spot on and they obviously they they weren't today I mean they weren't yesterday when Atletico got dumped out but I just find it such a an impressive way to approach the game it's some of the ugliest football you'll ever see yes but is does it work Absolutely, and there's proof of that. Yeah, also, the manager or coach does have to have self-awareness of what his team is capable or not. You're not going to go against Manchester City with the players Atletico has, which, once again, fantastic players, right? But you're not going to outpossess them. You're not going to play pretty soccer and defeat Manchester City. And one example I love to use, too, with that is Brazil in 2014, right? Felipão was a coach that just thought he could face every single team the same way just because it was Brazil. And Brazil almost got knocked down in the World Cup by Chile in the in the round of 16. We also barely went through Colombia. And then we went on to face Germany without our best player, Neymar, with our captain, Thiago Silva. And I believe Luis Gustavo was suspended for that game too, which was the six at the time. I believe he played for Wolfsburg. And he didn't change the way he played. He just switched six for half a dozen, didn't try to play maybe ugly like how Simeone will do, try to defeat Germany one play, and the rest is history, right? It was a disaster. Simeone understands what he has to do when. Does it always work? No. But but honestly, what Atletico got out of this round of the quarterfinals, I thought it was a success. I thought it was a success. Obviously, going through would be the, the real success, but they lost 1-0 to, to Manchester. They held Manchester City to one goal in two games. How many Premier League teams can do that? It, it's true. And I, I want to bring Adrian back in here just to, to get his opinion because I know how, how closely he follows Simeone as well. But that's some of the, the disconnect. And that's where some of the Atletico fans get frustrated because to do it in the Champions League against Manchester City is one thing. But I mean, I've watched plenty of games in La Liga where, where Atletico has been playing Hatafe, for example, and they're getting outpossessed. 65 to 35 so like Simeone does have a style he just I think he he pumps it up a gear when it comes to the Champions League and he he finds a way because he's such he thrives off of the Wanda he thrives off the Atletico fans he's he just finds this extra level when it comes to the Champions League to push his players on and then sometimes he just can't really get that out of them and you see like losing to like they got a horrible record this season I think they've taken four points out of out of six matches against the bottom of the table teams in the Liga and they've been playing poorly. They, they don't get possession. It's they're, they're a bit of a, a weird team this season. But yeah, my, my point was just when it comes to nailing it down, I mean, they don't see it as, as a success losing to the quarterfinals to City because they've made it further in the past and they've hit two finals playing this way. But yeah, I just I like to just show and sh- try to shed some light on how 
impressive it is to try to do this type of style when when a lot of people who just simply don't understand it. Yeah, and I mean, Diego, like you said, they're having a bit of a strange season. Like, for example, they lost to Mallorca this past weekend, which is not not a spectacular result for a team that is the defending La Liga champions. But like you said, he is a fantastic, Simeone that is, he is a fantastic knockout round manager, right? He has an incredible record in the knockout rounds. Um, as for a while there, the only teams that could knock him out were teams that boasted Cristiano Ronaldo. So that says a lot about Diego Simeone as a manager in knockout rounds. He has sort of that that sort of Unai Emery magic to him when it comes to a two-tie uh, elimination match. But guys, Josh, we already know that Filippos thinks that Real Madrid is going to win it. Is Manchester City, after coming through this against Atletico Madrid, they're going to face Real Madrid. Are they making it to the final? Yeah, I think they're going to make it to the final. I think simply they're just a better team. As, as long as Pep takes those right steps, and and I think he showed that getting through this gritty type of result, I, I personally do think that's exactly what they need to be like, okay, we did this. I think that if they go a little bit more toe-to-toe, I think the game will be a little bit more open, and I just think they have more quality as long as things go their way. I think they'll be heading to another final. I think so as well. I think that would be my pick as well between Real Madrid and Manchester City. But like I said, every single time I think, okay, this is the team that's going to end Real Madrid. This is the team that's going to finally beat them. Benzema does something crazy or Modric does something crazy. And then, I don't know. What's up, Phil? I do have a question. I do have a question, though. Um so obviously we know Manchester City can bag goals in the Premier League against most opponents, right? And even top opponents too. But when it goes to the Champions League there, we saw them really struggle to score against Atletico Madrid, right? In both legs, actually. Even the first one, they got that KDB goal. When it goes against Real Madrid, how much do you think having a true player that can actually put the ball in the back of the net, something Manchester City doesn't really have, right? How much can that play a role? Because Real Madrid does have that. And you guys saw throughout CONCACAF World Cup qualifying that when you're facing teams that are about the same level, sometimes the difference maker is having a player or two that can actually put the ball in the back of the net. Canada had that, right? And how much you think that can play a role into this game? Because Manchester City and Real Madrid is going to be very balanced. But then you have a Karim Benzema that you talked about that he can pull a freaking hat trick in a couple minutes. Um, pull a goal out of nowhere. Uh, Modric, does Manchester City have that besides KDB? Players like that. Um, Or they have more good players. They have more good players, but do they have that level right now? As far as a, you know, an out-and-out striker, just goal poacher, goal scorer kind of guy, no, I don't think they have that. And I think that's why they made such a big effort, allegedly, for Harry Kane this past summer. But... I think that Pep Guardiola has proven time and time again that he is able to construct a very cohesive and effective attack with these sort of hybrid, no true sort of striker type of players that everyone's sort of floating around. Like like a Gabriel Jesus, when I think of a striker in a in a Pep Guardiola system or an attacker or a forward, I guess you would more call him, I think of Gabriel Jesus because sometimes he's playing outside, sometimes he's playing centrally, similar to Sterling as well. KDB, sometimes he's playing sort of as like a quote-unquote false nine. Sometimes he's playing a little bit deeper back. So I don't know that whether it hurts Manchester City or not, I don't think that that is going to be the be-all, end-all for them in this competition because Pep Guardiola has lived with this sort of attack over and over again. But Josh, what do you think? Do you think that that is the area that City absolutely need to focus on and bringing someone in in for purposes like this? I mean, it's the number one thing that people talk about when it comes to Manchester City is like oh can you imagine if they had Holland can you imagine if they had Lewandowski or Harry Kane if they had a number nine how much better would they be and 
And where I think the league, they've proven that they can still do it without a prime goal scorer. They can still go 38 games and, and win a win a title. Um, it's it's a tough one. The, uh, part of me says no because they can do it, but I do think there's something about a knockout competition where having a prominent goal scorer is important. And Kareem Benzema has, has definitely proven that. But when you look at last season, in my opinion, I mean, City made it to the finals and guess who they lost to? Chelsea, which in my eyes... I know Kai Havertz, despite what Manuel thinks, is a number nine, but I, I still don't really see him as a number nine. Uh, I don't see Timo Werner as number nine anymore. They didn't have Lukaku last year. So, I mean, it's proven that you can win without having that out-and-out number nine. But, I mean, there is something to be said about Benzema's season because it's it's special. And that's kind of the wild card for me is how how can he bring his game to the next level? What can, I, he, what can he do? And if he does, then, then yeah. But, I mean, City has proven, and it's been proven in the past, that you don't technically need a number nine, but... It could play a part, and we'll have to see. So I wasn't really mentioning... I wasn't talking specifically about a number nine. Like, if you go to Liverpool, for example, I mean players that can score high volume of goals. That's what I meant. So Liverpool, it's not a nine, right? It's most of their goals, at least it has been in the past. Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. I believe there were seasons there that they dropped over 20 goals each, um, or at least 15. So I'm talking about that. And when I look at Manchester City... They, they score a high volume of goals by combination play and, and positional play from Pep Guardiola and how good this team is and how they're dominant in the Premier League. But my question is, Real Madrid, I know they looked shaky at times on defense, especially against Chelsea. Much more experienced team. Have a player that can put the ball in the back of the net. The defense should be all right. Um, I mean, they know what to expect, right? From from I I just don't honestly. It's obviously a game that it can go either way because these are two teams that are between the best of the world, right? Um, but I'm gonna go with Real Madrid for this one. I think yeah. it's funny because, like you said, I mean, when you look when I look at Madrid, I mean, I know Vinicius is having an unbelievable season, but when I look at Madrid, there's they have one goal scorer really. Like the the, the goals are mostly coming from Benzema, and then like you also said with City, they're scoring they score a lot of goals as well, but it. It's it's all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of goals Doesn't sometimes Vinicius, come off the bench. Vinicius, I think Vinicius has like 15 goals though. He has a lot of goals. Yeah, he, he does. I should maybe I should have said Benzema and Vinicius. They're they're the duo. But other than that, like who else do you look at? Like yes, Rodrigo pips in every now and again. I mean, Jovich doesn't touch the pitch anymore. Mariano Diaz somehow is a still part of that team. Uh, th- their goals basically entirely come from one or two players, which if I think it, including Vinicius is fine because he's been spectacular. But City have been coming from everywhere. Sterling, Bernardo. Kevin De Bruyne, Jesus, like whatever What's it is. for cups? That's the question. And, that, and that's a good, and that's an excellent question. And I think I'd rather take the hot hand. I, I do. I think I'd, I'd rather have someone who is, is doing it at the level that Vinicius and Benzema is. However, I just personally think all around that City's a better team. And I think getting through a match like the Atletico one, just giving that that self-belief. and like, man, we just left here bruised, busted, got in a fight, and we, we found a way to scrap it through, not the pretty football we've always been playing. It just kind of adds to the fact that maybe Pep's like, okay, this is the season. I've failed at every other club. I shouldn't say failed, but his, his goal is to get another Champions League since leaving Barcelona. He hasn't done that yet. It's the number one thing on his mind. That's what he wants. So I think he rightly so has pretty high belief that this could be the season. I have a question for both of you. Um, based in, uh, Sorry to be extending this for so long. I'm keeping you guys here forever. No, but but... Look at this. Um, if Atletico Madrid had gotten a goal against Manchester City, let's say they got two goals, actually. Let's say Manchester City was behind. Do you think Manchester City would have pulled through? Yes I or don't, no? 
I don't think so personally, just because of the atmosphere at the Wanda. I think it would have just been way too much and it would have been that 12th man pushing them on. But Josh, what do you think? No, I, absolutely not. I, I think I said a little bit earlier too, if, if Atletico would have found the equalizer and it even would have went into extra time, I think that they would have won it. But Real um, Madrid did that to Chelsea. Yeah, but that's the difference. I think the way that Simeone sets this side up, like he he play, he mapped it out for two legs. He he dealt with it the first leg. He's in the second leg. He knows that the second leg's at the Wanda, and all he needed was one goal. He no, knew but that. Josh, but Josh, remember one thing. The reason Real Madrid pulled it off, it wasn't Ancelotti, it wasn't any of that, is because they have those guys that in my like Manchester City, I think they rely more on their team. It's more of like the whole team is so good together, combination play, all of that. Real Madrid, all they needed was one moment of magic from Modric, one moment of magic of combination with Vinicius and Benzema, which you mentioned they've been scoring. So that is what it's going to come down to. They also team. needed Pulisic to miss a few sitters, though. So. Hey, that, those weren't sitters. That's, you know? uh, that's what they. That's what they really needed to do. They need see not having a number but, nine. But but that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. my whole point, right? So they had that guy. If Benzema had the chances that Kai Havertz, Pulisic, those guy had, he might have had a hat trick. And, and right. I think I think you're making a good point. I think it's going to come down to if Manchester City gets those type of chances that that because I think playing against Simeone's side, those chances can be sometimes few and far between or hard to create. I think there's going to be a much more open game. And if City f up a lot of the chances that they could potentially get similar to Chelsea did, I think that's an opportunity for Madrid. However, if they put those chances away, I think that this is how City's going to get through. So it's it's going to be one of those games. I think it's going to be a similar type of two legs than we just saw against Chelsea. I just feel like when it comes down to it, those chances will probably be put away. But I don't know. Let's see what Adrian says. The NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA hoops with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA game to win their game and during that play-in tournament, and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I think just to sort of put a little bow on this, I, I get Filippo's point, but in saying that Real Madrid got through because of magic from Modric and Benzema. These are two, like you said, world-class players. And yes, obviously, Manchester City would be better off if they had a Karim Benzema in their team. That would be like the ultimate the ultimate icing on the cake, I think, for Pep Guardiola because he would be a perfect fit. But that being said, Manchester City have been doing fine with their attack thus far. Um, and they do get goals from everywhere, from wide areas. And it's not really their... It's not really their tactics to hit crosses into the box. Like I know maybe it would be nice to have something just to give the defense something else to think of, sort of like how Xavi will then pull out a Luke de Jong and they'll start firing crosses into the box. And that has been effective in the past. We'll get to Barcelona later and how it wasn't effective against Eintracht Frankfurt. But regardless, it's going to be a fascinating game. Maybe Manchester City needs someone like a Darwin Nunez. And I don't think that either of you guys watched Liverpool versus Benfica, which is too bad because it was an incredible match. 
3-3. I mean, I'm just happy that Benfica was able to score three goals at Anfield. Yes, say what you will about Liverpool rotating their squad a bit. But even when they rotate their squad, Liverpool is one of those teams that is so, so blessed with the depth of their squad. I mean, to be able to go 3-1 up at home, and then you're bringing on Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane after you're already 3-1 up, that's just... That's just not fair for teams like Benfica, really, because there's no shot we can compete. Well, I mean, plus we had a manager who was bringing on a right back towards the end of the match when we were when we were still down, uh, well, down on aggregate 6-4. But I don't know if you guys saw it, but Darwin Nunez, again, just adding further, further zeros to his price tag, I think. And he was so close to having another goal, which would have made it 6-5 on aggregate, which would have made it for a very, very fun final five minutes. But... Yeah, Liverpool is another one of those teams where actually, Filippo, they do, I guess what you were saying, no, okay, never mind. I was saying they don't have a true out-and-out number nine, but what you were saying is more just the goal scorer, the volume. They have volume, they have volume yeah. through Salah. most Salah's capable of scoring 20-plus exactly. goals easily in the season. And Sadio Mane, I don't know about this season, but Sadio Mane has done it consistently too. You're right, though. Sadio Mane, and now even the addition, people forget, of Jota, who is scoring a lot of goals for Liverpool as well and provides another sort of option and actually is great in the air for when they want to throw some crosses in. Bobby Firmino scored a couple against Benfica, so they're doing fine in the attack. Um, And they will be going up against Villarreal. Now, we just spoke at length about Real Madrid versus Manchester City. When I look at Villarreal going up against Liverpool, and in watching Benfica up against Liverpool, I saw that this Liverpool back line, while they aren't conceding a lot of goals, they are conceding chances more than they used to. Now, the big difference here is, is that Alisson is in some of the best form that I've seen him in lately. And so when they do make those mistakes, they have probably, you know, top one, two, three of the shot stoppers in the world in Alisson back there to cover those mistakes. So when I look at Villarreal, I see them as a team that probably has better talent than Benfica absolutely has a much better manager than Benfica. And I don't know. I don't know that Villarreal will go through over Liverpool, but I think that this is going to be really, really difficult. What do you guys think, Josh? Uh, it's it's tough because I just think when there's the, when it comes down to it, everyone assumes it's going to be City, it's going to be Liverpool. That's the final. And that's a very easy thing to go around. But there is something that's special about Villarreal, and they've done it the hard way. It's not like they got, they got a kind draw. They took out Juve a on this, on the, the important thing is, is both second legs against Juventus and Bayern, in my opinion, were were incredible performances, and they came on the road, which is something I think everyone was surprised of after the first legs. Like, okay, this is the, their time. It's good goodbye. This is it, and they come out with those type of performances. So there's something to be said there. But when it comes to Anfield, when it comes to Liverpool, I I, I don't know. It's going to be very tricky. I think that they're going to probably set up a similar game plan they're gonna let Liverpool have a lot of the ball they're gonna try to be compact hit when the opportunities come but it's hard when you're going up against such world-class players like like Salah and if they're they're in their form I think it's gonna be pretty tough for Unai Emery but I my heart is telling me come on go Villarreal but my my gut is telling me this is gonna be a Liverpool win it's Liverpool man it's gonna go through um and also again Villarreal got the 1-0 they got the first goal against Bayern I think that that is what's key for them to have gone through that first goal. Um, as long as Liverpool gets the first goal against Villarreal, it's over. And Liverpool, like Adrian pointed out already, I, I do think they have more depth than Bayern too. More options off the bench that can change a game. And personally, as much as I like Julian Nagelsmann, uh, I think Klopp is a better coach. And Klopp is more experienced in this area. 
right? Champions League and everything. I, 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 I don't underestimate Henry. I've learned that lesson by now. But I, I think Liverpool is the, the technically the easy pick in the semifinals. I think you're right. And I think you also meant to say King Emery, right? Sure. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that I don't want to take anything away from Villarreal's run because it is a fantastic run and it is against the odds. But Juventus and Bayern Munich in their current states are not this team that Liverpool is right now. And like Filippo pointed out, Jurgen Klopp is... I personally think one of the best managers in the world. I don't think that that's a controversial take at all, but it's going to be a whole other beast for Villarreal taking on Liverpool because you can see, and they did this against Benfica at times, where they can still get through almost at a trot. Like, yes, Benfica did give them issues, but I don't know that this was Liverpool really having to go 120% in this tie. So I think that it's going to be very, very difficult for Villarreal, but who are we to doubt King Unai over and over and over again? But... Guys, shall we move on to a little bit of Europa League? I know that Josh was taking in Leipzig versus Atalanta. Atalanta, a team that's usually very, very fun to watch. But this season, having some struggles under Gasparini. But the opposite could be said of RB Leipzig under Tedesco now. I mean, the way that he's changed this team from the damage that Jesse Marsh did. I'm joking. I'm joking to our uh, American listeners out there. We got love for Jesse Marsh. But the way that he's turned this team around, it's just ridiculous, isn't it, Josh? It is. And so Adrian doesn't get yelled at. I mean, Jesse Marsh, shout out, he's doing a very good job at Leeds helping them survive. But yeah, I mean, what he did at, at Leipzig is he he took a, a very attack-minded team and he just only focused on that. Something that Tedesco came in, and, and I think Manuel spoke to it a little bit as well, saying that he was a little nervous with Tedesco coming in and didn't see it as a fit because he was more known as a defensive-minded manager. And I think that helped because he still allowed Leipzig to do what they do best and that free-flowing, fun football, but he tightened everything up at the back. And this was a fun match. I mean, looking at it, you're looking at this quarterfinal tie, and you're like, okay, this should be a lot, like a very open game, and it absolutely was. There was chances both ways. Uh, and it kind of seemed for a little bit there that Atalanta would have found the opportunity. But when we're com- talking about stars that are on form, we're talking about the Kareem Benzema. And I think someone that he may not be the the hottest French player in the world, because that may be Kareem Benzema. But if it's not him, it's in Cuckoo. And and he was absolutely sensational once again. Put up a brace. He won the penalty. He tucked it away. He had a nice goal earlier on as well with a nice time run, good finish. And he was a difference maker. It was it was pure quality. He's put up a absurd a number of goals this season. Uh, I mean, he, he's going to have a lot of interest in him, but it's it's just fun watching this Leipzig team. It, it really is. They, they look very calm at the back. Going against two, Italy to take on Atalanta is not an easy task. It was a 1-1 first leg, and to do it the way that they did with that just a composed in the end kind of game when it's just a two nothing scoreline and you have your star player performing exactly what you could have dreamed of. And now I'd say with Barcelona getting knocked out that they're probably the favorites. Uh, I'm not going to talk much about the Europa League because I didn't really watch the games this week. Uh, obviously I followed through the results and the embarrassment of Barcelona and their fans, but, but nonetheless to say with that, uh, Leipzig are the favorites for sure with the teams that are left. There's some very good teams there, right? West Ham is fantastic. Eintracht Frankfurt is surprising. Rangers is a little bit weaker in my opinion. But Leipzig essentially right now, they're almost a quarter semifinal Champions League team in the Europa League, right? That's what it feels like when you see them playing the competition. They feel like they, they're good enough that they could have been in the Champions League quarterfinals and battling to be in the semifinals but they're in the Europa League because of how they had early in the season. Yes, we're not bashing Jesse Marsh, but it wasn't a good job. So 
I have Leipzig also as the clear favorites here. I had them also in the last episode. I, they, they've been looking so good the past month or so, so I got them too. Isn't it beautiful to see like how truthfully this sport relies on having a proper manager? Now, again, no, no, no disrespect to Jesse Marsh, but it, it's not even about being a, a proper manager, but being a fit. And Tedesco coming in with just that little defensive minus, showing his inner Italian, tightening everything up, completely changed his team. Because I watched Leipzig a lot at this beginning of the season, and I don't think you would have at all said that this was a Champions League quarterfinal, semifinal team with under Jesse Marsh. You just needed the right type of manager in there to do the right type of things. And that's what T- Tedesco did. And th- right now, they could be headed for a pretty historical season in their very young life because they could go on to win the Pokal, and they could also go on to win the uh, to win the Europa League. I mean, Josh, you should know that you're Canadian. If if the United States had a proper coach and you guys, if we switched Herdman and Burhalter, you guys probably wouldn't have finished ahead of us. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I don't know, man. Pool six got to put some away to, to not uh, to not. Uh, you want Greg Burhalter? We'll give you look. No, we'll I'm... give you Burhalter if you want to try that out. <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. We'll keep we'll keep John Herdman. He's doing an excellent job. This is bordering on uh, hate speech from Filippo, so we're going to cut this conversation right now. We do not want Greg Bearhalter in Canada. Thank you very much, though. We appreciate it. But just to go off of what Josh was saying about Christopher Nkunku and the form that he's in, for anyone who's sleeping on Christopher Nkunku or doesn't watch the Bundesliga or he slipped under your radar, this man has, in 43 appearances, has scored 30 goals and 18 assists. That is 48 goal contributions from 43 appearances. He is absolutely on fire. And if France can somehow figure out to have Benzema, Mbappe, and maybe Nkunku sort of in the Griezmann type role. I mean, that attack is just going to be insane. Assuming that it all clicks, because as we spoke about, it's all about getting the team chemistry correct in these World Cup tournaments. But let's move on from Leipzig. I also sort of planted my flag, by the way, on Twitter. I tweeted out Leipzig are going to win this, the uh, not the Champions League, but the Europa League, sorry. And so if they don't end up winning, you can blame me for jinxing it. And all of us who also said that they'll end up winning it, feel free to blame us because it's all our fault. But anyways, now I think that Xavi is going to be looking at whoever's in charge of ticket sales at FC Barcelona and saying, you know, we partially lost because it's, it's your fault. If anyone didn't see this, Eintracht Frankfurt away at Camp Nou playing against FC Barcelona. It sounded like an Eintracht Frankfurt home match. And everywhere you looked around the stadium, there was white shirts everywhere for Frankfurt. And you look at the sort of the ultra section that is behind one of the FC Barcelona goals. And it was empty at one point out of protest because all of the ultras stayed off of the stands. They stayed in the hallways underneath Camp Nou out of protest because there were so many Eintracht Frankfurt supporters that it, it legit sounded like a home game, didn't it, Josh? What what a story! And talking about nice tweets, Adrian had a nice nice tweet as well as saying, uh, "I don't think it's fair that Frankfurt had two home matches." But this is some of the issue, and we actually before we went going here on on the podcast had a nice conversation about just simply stadiums and going to a match that may not be filled. Now I've went to the camp near before; it's an it holds ninety nine thousand people. It's you know how difficult it is to fill that in every single time. Now this is a European time; maybe they should have done a little bit better. But when I went down there. Uh, yes, it was still incredible because there were 72, 73,000 people at it, but that means that there's 25 plus thousand empty seats. So when you're coming in, you've got an unbelievable fan group like Frankfurt has coming in here and just swarming the city of Barcelona. It, th- these type of things can happen. And to me, it wasn't a big surprise. If if you have maybe Barcelona, who's used to their semifinals in the Champions League, their finals in the Champions League, maybe didn't completely buy in. Now, this is just me speculating, so I'm curious to see what you guys think. But maybe if they're just not buying in on this Europa League run and these tickets are up for sale and you have Frankfurt who could only dream of going back to a, a semifinals and they're taking on Barcelona in a 
Europa League quarterfinal, you better believe they're going to make that trek to Spain. And they did in full numbers. They absolutely ran Barcelona over. It seemed like they were playing at home. They're they're not my pick who I think is going to win because I think I've already established I think Leipzig's got the best chance, but they're who I want to win. Uh, it was incredible scenes and what a what a performance though, guys. It really was an incredible performance from them. And just, I mean, John Laporta, Barcelona's president, said that he was embarrassed and ashamed after a reported 30,000 Eintracht Frankfurt supporters made it into Camp Nou. 30,000! I mean, that's... I mean, I can speak to Stad Saputo in Montreal. That's far more than would even fit in Stad Saputo. Far more than would fit in plenty of stadiums around the world. And I mean, that's just insane. That's the entire yellow wall at uh, Signal Iduna Park, isn't it? But but isn't it it is, but isn't it wild that like I said the game I went to in Barcelona had about 30,000 empty seats, like 25 something around there. So if you can't fill the stadium and you got all these encouraged fired up fans looking to make the trip, it, I I could see it happening. That's that's the part of the thing where Camp Nou is too big in my opinion. It is way too big. You're not going to fill up 99,000 tickets every single time. I know that for a fact. I don't know the last time that they, they'd sell it. It'd probably just simply be the, the El Clasico, maybe if they would have made a deep run in the Champions League. But those type of things can happen, if, especially if the ticketing isn't, I guess, I don't know what the rules are. Maybe Adrian will know a little bit more about how you delegate them so there's not 30,000 Frankfurt fans. But it did not surprise me whatsoever that if they found a way in, they did, and they came and they, they conquered. I don't know for sure. This is speculation. Nobody attack us and for saying otherwise, but whatever. I think that what happened was that there was a lot of season ticket holders that were reselling this, like you said earlier, maybe not buying into the whole Europa League or seeing the desperation from all of these Frankfurt supporters that were in the city and they just thought they would capitalize on it and make a quick buck. But, oh man. I mean, this Frankfurt side, like you said, Josh, if if I hadn't already picked Leipzig, I think number two, I would say that the two favorite teams for Europa League, in my opinion right now, are the two German teams because Frankfurt just look insane on the counterattack. Philip Kostic, if he's at Frankfurt next season, I would be very surprised because he looks like he could play at the top level in any league, really. He is such a special, special player. Bore scored that fantastic goal. I mean, Frankfurt, they just... I think back to that sort of like heavy metal football, and I know it's not the same tactics as Klopp in this at all, but the way that they play, the way that they attack, the way that it's just all hands on deck going forward with such speed and power, it does sort of give that heavy metal football sort of feel to it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Filippo, I know you didn't watch this match, but who are your picks for Europa League? We can go through them all just, just before you mention it, actually. Why don't we go through who else made it through? We also had, so Leipzig advanced. We had Frankfurt advance. We have West Ham beating Lyon, which is interesting. David Moyes, David Moyes, Spanish version, beating Lyon. And then we had Rangers beating nine-man Braga. So if you were to choose from those teams, Filippo, who do you think is the favorite beyond Leipzig? Who do you think will challenge them the most? I think West Ham. Um, I'm not a big fan of David Moyes for obvious reasons when he was very poor with Manchester United. But regardless, I, I do think that um, I think West Ham would probably be the second challenge right there. They've been looking very good this season and they would be my second pick. But I, I don't see this slipping through Leipzig. Especially because of the form, too. Like, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's a statement. I mean, the first one, in the first leg, West Ham went down to 10 men, and they kind of ride out a 1-1 draw. And then they just backed themselves to do it on the road, and they did. 3-0 three, three is a statement win against Lyon. And and if you look at the stats, I mean, like, the possession was 68-32. to 32. They, The expected goals were somewhere between 1 and 2 for each. And 
West Ham just came to play. They they have something about them. They're all buying in or what David Moyes is doing. I think he's done an incredible job. They abs- absolutely, I think I'd say West Ham will probably push Leipzig just as much as Frankfurt would. But I just think there was something about that Frankfurt match where they just came out full of guns of blazing. Kostic was a player at the beginning of the season who didn't even want to be at Frankfurt. He wanted his move. He wanted, I think he wanted to go to Lazio or potentially Inter Milan. He didn't get it happen. But seeing this turnaround and seeing what this competition brings, because I've always came on here and said how much I love watching the Europa League, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's a, it's an int- I wouldn't have been the final four. I re- would have predicted the beginning of this season, but I think that it's going to play out pretty interestingly. And shout out to uh, good old Scott Arfield, little Canadian there, making a I mean, he missed a sitter. He he did. I don't know if anyone saw that, but not the best uh, cameo off the bench there for Rangers, but they found a way to get through Braga, which was uh, pretty interesting and a bit of a shame. I'm not sure if Adrian caught any of the Braga match, but they, they, they were losing their heads towards the end as well. I mean, they picked up with that early red card in the first half and in an extra time, they just seemed like they didn't care. It almost was like, all right, the ref's been against us the entire match. It, it is what it is. Yeah, it's too bad that Braga ended up sort of fumbling the bag like that because this Europa League run from them was, I won't say surprising, but, you know, they're fourth in Portugal. Um, it would have been nice to see them make it a little bit further. It would have been a nice sort of uh, award for how well they've been playing recently. And also, it's a shame that we won't get to see their stadium in the Europa League anymore. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but they play in a rock quarry. It's one of the most unique stadiums. But anyways... Just so everyone is aware, because I don't think we mentioned it yet, but the matchups in the semifinals of the Europa League are West Ham versus Frankfurt and RB Leipzig versus Rangers. So the German teams avoid each other, and we'll see if they'll meet in the final, or if we'll have a little Rangers-West Ham final. That would be pretty fun as well. But we have another Champions League to speak of, another continental competition to speak of, and I personally did not watch any of the CONCACAF Champions League, but Filippo, I know for a fact that you did, so why don't you take over for us here? Yeah, so the CONCACAF Champions League, the finals will be not this following week, but the last week of April and first week of May. The games will be played on Tuesday nights. The first game will be played at Mexico. The second game will be played in Seattle. And it's going to be Pumas versus the Seattle Sounders. Personally, on paper, I think the Seattle Sounders are probably the strongest team in MLS right now. And Pumas, based off performance and on paper... They're kind of far from the strongest Liga MX side, but they made it, right? They defeated Cruz Azul and they made it. And Seattle defeated New York City FC, which hasn't been playing well, um, to be honest. And they won the first leg 3-1 at Seattle. And then they tied 1-1 at a very empty Red Bull arena. Yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. New York City FC had to play at their rival's arena. They couldn't play at a Yankee Stadium. Thankfully, actually. So, yeah, the one thing I have to say about this, not going much into detail because we've been on for almost an hour, is this is probably the best opportunity MLS has had in winning the CONCACAF Champions League in recent history that I can, maybe ever, maybe the best opportunity ever to actually win this because when you look into this matchup, and I know some Mexico fans were telling me that the Chivas team that defeated Toronto a few years back is was worse than his Pumas team. I highly disagree with that. I don't think this Pumas team is that strong. I think it's weaker than that team. It's definitely not the strongest Liga Mackey's team. They definitely could have got someone. And MLS has improved in the meantime, even though that Toronto team was very strong, the one that made it to the final, Josie and Michael Bradley. But this Sounders team on paper is the best MLS side. I know they're struggling in MLS. They've been focusing a little bit in the Conca Champions and they'll bounce back in MLS. Me and Josh were talking about this before. 
but I think this is the opportunity. Plus, we have to add the fact that the second game, the second leg, will be played in Seattle. So as long as they hold a draw away or they just don't lose badly, I, I think this is it. I think MLS has a realistic opportunity this time to win it. I, I don't even think – I actually think Seattle are the better side here. And, I, I mean, I know a lot of people could say I'm being biased here, but I'm not a Sounders fan. I just really think they're the better side. No, I, th- I think a lot of people agree with you, when it, especially when it, even Mexican pundits I've heard. I mean, they, they still expect probably to win because it, it's still sleeping at Mexi. They always think that they're going to. But I think it's funny that the the final this year from the MLS could have been a, a team that plays their home matches out of Yankee Stadium slash just played their semifinal uh, second leg in their rival's home. So I think the proper representation for the MLS has made it to the finals. I don't think there's a better run. And I've said this before, not even that long ago on the podcast, there's not, there's not a better run MLS organization than Seattle. I think that they're the, they're the best team to possibly win the very first CONCACAF Champions League for the MLS. And I think that they're the favorites. They, they have every right to go in there to think that they are. There's a lot of question marks around this Pumas side. And I think if they show up on the day, I think this is going to be history in the making. So I'm excited to see it. And I think any any MLS fan should be proud to see what Seattle's done because again they're just they're what you should want to become if you're a new franchise. So take notes, Inter Miami. I think that we've spoken at length about how much love we all sort of have for Seattle as far as how well they are run, how they are always competitive. Um, yeah, so the final will take place the first leg, of course, because anyone who's not familiar with the CONCACAF Champions League, the final is a two-legged tie. The first leg will be on April 27th, and then the second. In Seattle, the day before Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo Eve, so May fourth. That's the second leg, and that will be the Concacaf Champions League. Also May fourth, May fourth, May the fourth be with you, my friend. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. So hopefully that will help uh, help the Sounders through in some sort of way. You know, they got some green, some Yoda colors, Luke's lightsaber. So yeah. Anyways, we're getting a little off track here, guys. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about as far as the Concacaf Champions League goes, or are we all? wrapping up here i think we're good at that um we'll, we'll probably since there i don't believe there's any champions league next week um so maybe next week with manual alongside here we could dive into the conca champions final a little bit more in more details but since we've been around for an hour almost and we have to talk about the champions league and europa league that just happened too um i think that's all i'll say about the concaf champions league I, I think me and josh pretty much agreed on it and we'll get manual's perspective on it too because i know he's following it very closely also, big shout out, because we're not going to forget the Conference League. Leicester, Marseille, Roma, Feyenoord to the semis. Go Jose Mourinho. I want you to be the very first manager to ever lift this competition. So I will be going for my my Italian friends over there in Rome. I agree with you. It would be awesome to see AS Rome. They're such an interesting club, such a great fan base. They don't win things very often, but still they have such a huge supporter base. I would love to see AS Roma win this, this uh, trophy that looks kind of like a wastebasket, but that's fine. You know, it doesn't matter. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening once again. One last thing, which we always forget to do every single time. Please, if you're enjoying the podcast, go give us a review, give us a rating, you know, if, if you leave a good enough review, maybe we'll even read it on the podcast, you know, so they're a little incentive for you guys, a little bit of bribery. But anyways, guys, for Filippo and Josh, I'm Adrian. This is the Unsackable Podcast, and we will catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.